This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. What the hell just happened time? Tennessee basketball back from the dead time. John Fulkerson for president time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Grant Ramey coming to you from Lexington, Kentucky, uh, just outside Rupp Arena, where not long ago we just saw... Tennessee come from basically nowhere to erase a 17-point deficit and absolutely stun Kentucky 81-73. to The Vols beat the sixth-ranked Wildcats. Uh, and I got to tell you, Grant, uh, we got a lot of things to get to in this episode. You're going to hear from Rick Barnes. You're going to hear from John Calipari. You're going to hear from three Tennessee players, including John Fulkerson, who had a career-high 27 points. Again, it seems like Fulkerson's you know, just setting a career high almost every other game at this point. It's been kind of crazy what he's done lately. Uh, So we got a lot to get to. But before we get to those interviews, I think we just kind of have to try to make sense of what we just saw. Because this is a Tennessee team, Grant, that has just been so bad in second halves and and late in games. Lost a 17-point lead in the second half at Auburn. uh, Nearly collapsed and lost a you know, double-digit deficit or double-digit de- d- double uh, lead in the final minute, just the final minute in a home win over Vanderbilt, uh, had a large lead against Florida, lost almost every bit of it before coming back and holding off the Gators. Uh, South Carolina, late lead, all for naught. Uh, this team has just not been clutch for so much of this season. Uh, they're at Arkansas again. They rally early in the second half. Uh, look like they get right back in that game, and then boom, one thing goes against them, and then the, the house of cards collapses again. Bottom line, uh, this team has not been a great closing team for lots of the season, and Kentucky is the hottest team in the SEC, if not in all of college basketball coming into this game. Tennessee's trailing by 17 points with less than 17 minutes left in the game, and lo and behold, uh, in the final 16 minutes and 54 seconds of that game, Tennessee outscores Kentucky 47 to 22 uh, with a win that I don't know if it's going to, you know, put them, you know, if it's going to help them in the postseason. We'll see. They still got some work to do against Auburn and some other things. They still got some work to do at the SEC tournament. But, you know, this thing, this win makes a lot of things possible. And it's just a win that it's kind of hard to understand where in the world this came from when you put everything into it because Kentucky had that thing wrapped up in a sold-out rock and rope arena. I mean, it's it's not – it's I don't know. It's impossible to try to describe that. I mean, it it seems impossible for this team to go from the stuff you talked about, blowing the 17-point lead at Auburn. I mean, they had a six-point lead at South Carolina, and they turned it over four times in the final two minutes, and uh, you can go on and on and on. 
about what this team, just the way they looked against Florida in the final 15 minutes, what they looked like at uh, at Arkansas in the final 15 minutes of that game. Th- this team had spent the last three weeks, it felt like, falling apart in the final 15 minutes uh, or in the final couple minutes of a game. Uh, and uh, at Rupp, uh, Tennessee takes the lead. Uh, they come back from, what was it, 17, take the lead. There's still seven minutes left, 645. When Tennessee takes the lead, and that's a—I mean—that's an eternity in basketball, especially a one-possession, two-possession game. And I think from there they went five from seven from the field, and the two misses they got offensive rebounds and put back for makes, and they went nine and ten at the free throw line, uh, and they got stops on the other end. And just the way they were in control, the final ten minutes, fifteen minutes, uh, the way they stayed in control, the final couple minutes of the game where. Uh, they would take a three-point lead, and then Kentucky would do something to to get. I mean, they Tennessee was up 63-60. Uh, Calipari takes a timeout. Ashton Hagens hits a couple free throws, or no, I'm sorry, scores, steals the inbound, and then gets to the free throw line and ties the game in seven seconds. And Tennessee answered from there. That was a 63 all game, and you know, just the way it happened. John Fulkerson scoring a, a career high 27. Uh, basically, Kentucky trying every way they possibly could to stop him. E.J. Montgomery, Nick Richards, Nate Sestina. Uh, doubling him, trapping him, whatever, and he just kept scoring. The crazy amount of shots Eve Ponds hit all night, uh, hitting from the three-point line, hitting free throw, mid-range jumpers late in the game uh, to sustain leads and kind of help Tennessee weather storms from Kentucky. Uh, And what Josiah did uh, in the second half, uh, he scored all of his points, had all of his rebounds after Tennessee was down 17. Uh, He did all of that production in the second half. And, And what he looks like in the first half against Florida, in the second half against Kentucky, when he plays like that, they're obviously a, a different basketball team. But there's really, I mean, there's that, that's a lot of words, but there's really no way to explain kind of what happened. Yeah, the the simple way to put it is that I think when you look at the first half of the Florida game, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, my voice is, guys, I'm sorry, my voice has been awful for a couple of weeks now. It's still been trying to get over this thing. Uh, but when you look at the first half of the Florida game and the second half of the Kentucky game, the one quick through line through all of that, is that when Josiah Jordan-James plays well, Tennessee's a completely different basketball team. He is a guy who can make them go. He's a guy who can do a lot of things offensively, an incredibly versatile offensive player, Uh, a guy who still gets beaten off the dribble a little bit too much defensively, but he's a great rebounder, uh, and he's a guy who comes in with help defense to make big plays, gets steals. He's smart on that end of the court. Uh, That, to me, is one thing that you can really, excuse me, really quickly say, that's a big difference for this team uh, when he does a lot of the things that he does. But what shocked me as much as anything was that Tennessee, even when Tennessee had that huge run there in that 10-minute stretch where they turn a 17-point deficit into a three-point lead, Tennessee made so many colossal mistakes in that stretch. Tennessee, when, the, when they were down, I think, 51-43, to 43, I believe it was, they had three consecutive chances to to get that lead cut into and miss a wide-open three-pointer, miss the front of a one-and-one, and then Fulkerson with one of his rare mistakes just com- completely brain cramps, turns the ball over on a walk where he shouldn't have done it. <clears throat> and then Kentucky comes down and scores, and you think, well, that might do it. That might take the wind out of their sails, just like it did at Arkansas when Arkansas makes that one play. Mason Jones gets that kind of – takes advantage of a bad call, makes a big play, turns that game back on its on its head. 
and then Tennessee kind of writes itself from that, then gets within, I believe, about seven points not long after that, and just makes two more colossal blunders. Uh, and then you come down, a Nick Richards dunk on the other end, and all of a sudden you're thinking, well, nah, that might be it. The, the, how many times can you keep getting off the mat? Uh, and then Tennessee comes back, gets a three-point lead. Uh, Kentucky takes a timeout. The sequence you mentioned earlier with Ashton Hagens uh, scoring there, just completely uncontested layup, just bad defense. And then uh, Pons with a completely head-scratching decision on the inbounds pass uh, makes one of the most unforgivable, borderline unforgivable mistakes in basketball where you turn the ball over underneath your own basket on an inbounds pass. Just can't do that. Uh, and then Kentucky ties the game. And then Pons comes down and hits a three. They just they kept making mistakes. And the, the way I wrote it in the column was, Tennessee made, I mean, Tennessee had a season's worth of stupid mistakes put into just, or I mean, a month's worth of stupid mistakes just in one game. And still, the only thing they didn't do wrong, they committed a lot of almost unforgivable mistakes, but they didn't commit the only unforgivable mistake. They didn't stop playing. They didn't quit. That's what we've seen from this team against Auburn. Uh, they go down there, Opera makes that big run. They just kind of lay down, and they're not the same team. Kansas makes a run late, and Tennessee just does not have an answer for it. Uh, Arkansas takes the wind out of their sails after they come back in that game. They got nothing. South Carolina, the final three minutes of that game, Tennessee just completely made mistakes and just kind of looked like it, it kind of – got the life sucked out of it a little bit. Uh, and then you go into uh, the Vanderbilt game where they made those huge mistakes. Uh, Florida, those huge mistakes. There are so many times this season where this team has just, it just hasn't pushed through. And tonight, of all nights, Rupp Arena, of all buildings, for that to be the place where it happened, shocked me. Because this isn't a deal... I mean, if Kentucky had come out flat, I think a lot of people would have understood that. Kentucky just wrapped up the SEC championship uh, with a big win over Auburn in Rupp uh, last weekend. This weekend, they got a big game coming up against Florida, and they just wrapped up the East. I know Tennessee's a rival. I know Rupp is sold out. But this could have been a game where Kentucky had been playing really pretty well, had been playing, you know, not great, but pretty darn well. It was one of the best teams in the country. It's not like Tennessee came out there and knocked them off their socks early. Kentucky had a 17-point lead, and Tennessee just did not quit. And I got to tell you, Rick Barnes has talked about the resiliency of this team, and I think this team has had season-long resiliency in terms of getting off the mat and getting ready to play the next game. That's one kind of resiliency. But the other kind of resiliency is in-game resiliency, and that's been what this team has not had. And, and to have that in spades tonight, that just shocked me because they just kept going. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to make sense of it, uh, what we've seen from the last three, four weeks, uh, the way this team has struggled, uh, basically the entire SEC uh, schedule to find any kind of week-in, week-out consistency. Rick Barnes has talked a million times about, you know, the personnel changes, Lamonte out, Santi in. Uh, Eurosh getting eligible, uh, just kind of the different ways they've tried to kind of, and, and I guess Josiah as well, dealing with injuries and, and not being 100%. Uh, some things that happened or some things that Rick said after the game, he called Wisconsin the low point of his Tennessee career, uh, which was kind of surprising. They didn't, obviously didn't play well and they were in a bad spot. 
Uh, <clears throat> talked about Lamonte being done before that game. Uh, talked about Josiah finally, maybe for the first time since July, uh, starting to actually feel 100% and actually be healthy and uh, kind of establish some rhythm and establish some rhythm with his teammates so they can finally get a personnel grouping uh, where they, they know what they're getting from people and, and maybe there is a little bit more consistency. But, it, yeah, I mean, it just doesn't doesn't make any sense because Tennessee's, you know, Rick, Rick Barnes is the first Tennessee coach to win twice at Rupp. Uh, how many times have they won in that building? Five or six, not very many for it to happen there. I mean, and Kentucky has a reputation all season of, of having a 10 and 15 point lead and not really being able to put a team away, even though they've won. They entered, what, 24 and 5, 14 and 2 in the league. Uh, I think they'd won seven or eight in a row since they lost at Auburn, uh, I guess a couple months ago. But but for it to happen, no, it doesn't make sense. This team's really never made sense all season <laughs> from the start, trying to figure them out. It's been a, uh, a fool's errand, but uh, here we are still trying to figure them out, and it's really surprising. Yeah, and we got some more analysis from this game and, and some more, uh, I guess, discussion on what this means for the Vols going forward. And we're going to get to all that in the second segment, but uh, you've heard us stammer on for a few minutes now. We're going to get to uh, probably some voices that you actually do want to hear from. Uh, we're going to start with Tennessee head coach Rick Barnes, uh, who has just kind of given Calipari fits ever since he's been at Tennessee. I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. Calipari's one of his best friends, and Calipari said when Tennessee hired Rick Barnes that, you know, hey, Tennessee just made an unbelievable hire, and in a couple of years they're going to look back and be like, man, this is about as good as we've ever had it. Uh, and at the time you're thinking, no, nah, that's one good friend saying some nice things about another good friend, but maybe if a guy's going to be that competitive with him, you don't you don't say that. Uh, lo and behold, uh, he has given Calipari fits throughout his career. And here is Tennessee coach Rick Barnes, who has a lot of interesting things to say, obviously, about that game uh, and some interesting things, uh, some poignant things, I think, to, to, to say about things in the state of Tennessee. Obviously, it's Tuesday's been just an absolutely tragic, wretched, awful, terrible day uh, for, for a significant portion of this state. And thoughts and prayers go out to everyone there. And Rick Barnes mentions that, too. So there's plenty to discuss. And here is Rick Barnes discussing that. This is Tennessee basketball coach Rick Barnes. Hey, Rick, when you guys were down 17, was the plan to go to John full speed again and again? That's always our plan. It is, but you, they, you know, they are obviously John's teams are going to try to take away what we do. And he was terrific tonight. I, I, again, all of our guys were did something great, every guy that played, but what he did tonight is one of the great performances I've, I've witnessed. And uh, he's uh, he's been like that, really, I mean, it's really, I, I go back and I think about the time with Grant and all those guys, they used to say, Folky, you're better than all of us. And uh, the fact is, he, he had so much confidence tonight, but um, our guys were confident, even when we were down and I would walk into the, Timeout. They were talking to each other about, hey, we just can't keep making those turnovers and mistakes that we're making. And and they were they were great at driving the ball. And we really said, hey, we're going to get into those gaps and we're going to make make some jump shots. And we actually made some plays in the gap where we knocked it through, got out in transition, and got some baskets like that. And we tried to speed the tempo up some. But when we got into a, a dead ball situation, we we knew we were going to play through Falky. Given all that happened today. Well, you know, again, our thoughts and prayers go out to those that lost people and, and the devastation there. And I talked to a friend of mine in Cooksville today, and 
And I asked him, I said, you know, we're going to be coming through there next week for the tournament. And I said, what can we do? He said, I'll think about it. But he said, in the meantime, the best thing you can do is beat the Wildcats. And uh, so, again, if that helps anybody. But uh, it's so sad what happened there. And, again, uh, actually, th th this is a game, but that's real-life tragedies. And, and I'm just really sad for, the, for those people. And I just know that uh, we got to keep them in our, in our prayers. Coach Josiah, especially the second well, I think one, he's getting healthy for the first time. You know, he's fought that all year. You guys know that, but I do think that he feels the best he's felt probably since July. And uh, he's dealt with some serious things where he's tried to play through it and couldn't and try to get back in. So I do think now he's somewhat getting a rhythm, but I think we're getting a rhythm a little bit more as a team because, you know, with Santi and coming in and, and uh, he wasn't terrific tonight, but he came back late and, and made some things happen. And, you know, everybody that played, I mean, Jalen Johnson's shots were huge early in the game, but uh, when we were down and came back, everybody made, made something happen. But Josiah, I mean, he's just, he's got that look that he that he's settled in and he knows what he needs to do, and now he just needs to continue to build on it. Let's go, Tony, right? Oh, coach back here. You guys are guaranteed to finish the season. I know how big Second question, James, how did you What was the first question? Finishing 99, how big the deal is that? At least, at least, at least 99. And uh, could you guarantee you finished that? Yeah. And then James, had a great game tonight. Well, one, uh, I will tell you this. When uh, Wisconsin came in our building and Lamonte had decided he was going to quit, we were a very, 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 uh, we were lost because everything we had planned to work on up to that point, we had fighting injuries, Josiah had been hurt. And at that point in time, that was as low a mark since I've been at Tennessee. And Santi came in and had three days of practice. And uh, we knew it was inevitable that he was going to start. So I said, uh, we're going to start him. And to watch his growth. And then, you know, Josiah has been in and out. Uros got, finally got eligible for what this team's gone through and to be in this position I think is really remarkable if, if, to be quite honest. And what was your second question about who? About James Who James again I, again I think across the board, you know, he I said it this week and I mean it right now too. I, I think that Kentucky and Kansas are the two best teams and I think Kentucky's the most underappreciated team in college basketball. And I still believe that. And that even makes the fact the way we came back really something special for these guys because, uh, and, and I will tell you, they, they felt coming in that, that they could win. I'm not going to say that we didn't because we felt like we could. We went back and looked at our tape against them there. They're a much better team, but we are 10 times better than we were in Knoxville. And uh, we weren't very good on offense. Defensively, uh, and they've, they've improved a lot, really. But uh, across the board, I think that, there's, again, I, I said it, not one guy didn't help us get done what we needed to get done here tonight. This is probably playing off that, but everybody's played Kentucky competitively down to the final minutes. How much do you think that helped the belief that, you know, we can too? Well, I think you look at Kentucky and, I mean, you look at college basketball this year. It's not just in our league. And, I, and again, I would say I think our league's underrated. But the fact of the matter is, you know, we tell our guys all the time, when you, when you lose a game by 10 points, it's a four-possession game. You know, early in the year when you're turning the ball over 20, 25 times and you're spotting the other team, 
you know, 10 extra possessions a game, you're not going to win. We didn't win. The last two games, I didn't look yet how many turnovers we have tonight. Uh, fifth, we had uh, 15, we had 14. Normally, when we were losing, we were having 20, 25. And, uh, but uh, games are closer than you think. Free throws are huge. You know, we, uh, we wanted to get to the free throw line. We wanted to try to keep them off the line, but they just do such a great job of getting there. But we, we told the guys that if everybody plays great, it's going to be a close game. I don't care who we play. And, uh, and I believe that, uh, not just in our league, but around college basketball. With the number of sort of lost possessions there in the first 25 minutes or so of the game, you know, Classic had a couple unfortunate moments in the first half, just a couple of silly turnovers by other guys. Were you telling them after Kentucky scores 20 points off eight turnovers that they'll just stop turning the ball over? They have a chance to get well, it. Well, what I, what I told them, uh, I walked at halftime, I said, first of all, there was a lot of things that we could talk about. And, uh, uh, but if you take away the fact that Folky had a rebound, let, I can't remember who took it from him, he had a three, and then at the end of the half, we, we didn't, Santi didn't block out in the end of the half. I said, that's five points. I said, right now, this is a five-point ball game, as bad as the mistakes that we made and the, and the turnovers that we had. But they had 20 points, I know, in the first half off our turnovers, and the turnovers were even, but we didn't have many points off of it. And we again, that's all we had. We kept talking about, just take care of the ball, just take care of it. And uh, when they were, and again, during one of the last timeouts when we got up, the guy said, hey, they're going to turn the heat up. We're going to have to handle the ball. We got to we got to take care of the ball better, and we and we did. But uh, uh, yeah, at the end of the first, I was upset at halftime because I felt like we had done some things that that we didn't need to do, and we just kept fighting back. And you wonder sometimes how many times can you fight back and come back from 17. Again, the credit goes to those guys. It really does. Okay, two more, Jerry, and then here. Rick, you guys got several big rebounds down the stretch, second chance opportunities. That just hustle and no, I don't know that because Kentucky plays as hard as anybody. You know, it, it's it's really a simple formula. If you're going to win basketball games, you got to play defense, you got to rebound, and you got to try to control the free throw line. You got to get there, especially if you're going to go on the road and win. You've got to guard. Again, I haven't looked at the stats yet, but you've got to rebound the ball. And we kept in early in the game. They were they were getting to those rebounds, but late, you know, we came up with some and. Where the game kind of turned for us, we were able to break the ball loose a few times when they were driving the ball and get out in transition. Those those plays and those gaps, and they're, they're as good as anybody at doing that. But we were doing that, and we really we said they're going to have to shoot jump shots. And uh, but then we got out, and then we guys made some shots, made some plays, and as you said, some of those offensive stickbacks were big. Rick, why do you think you think you guys controlled the last? minutes when you guys have struggled so much to close out. I, can't, I, I wish I knew. I, I, I don't. But I can tell you this. There was a look about our guys that, uh, you know, on the bench, again, coaches are always reminding me about timeouts, and I've told you guys before, there's a look that you see with your players sometimes. You don't want to get in their way. And they had that look tonight like where I felt like, hey, whatever we called, they were going to execute it, and they did. And. Uh, Again, Folky was terrific, and I, I think our guys knew that we could get him the ball, that he would make something happen. He made a great kick out for a three, and and uh, he'll make the right play. Um, we got on him on the travel because you know he should have been getting to moving a little bit, but uh, again, he was he was terrific. Okay, go. Thank you very much. Again, I, I thank you all. And again, I'd just like you tonight to really keep Nashville in your prayers. Okay, thank you. God bless you. 
was Tennessee basketball coach Rick Barnes speaking about the Vols' 81-73 win over Kentucky here in Lexington, Kentucky, over the sixth-ranked Wildcats. And you just heard from Rick Barnes. Now you're going to hear from one of his best friends, uh, a guy who he just defeated again, and a guy who uh, unsurprisingly has a lot of positive things to say about Rick Barnes, John Fulkerson, and lots of other Tennessee volunteers in this clip. Here is Kentucky basketball coach John Calipari. How alarming, if at all, to have a late game performance like this, this close to postseason? Anytime you're up 17 and there's whatever it was left and the uh, game got physical, we couldn't compete. It just got physical. And uh, tried different ways to try to score, and we just we had nothing. Couldn't throw it to the post. Tried to open up the court. Wouldn't get by people. But give credit to Tennessee. They could have gone away down 17. But that's Rick Barnes. I mean, he's a terrific coach. He never wavered. He kept telling them. Um, Fulkerson killed us, obviously. We tried some different things. There was a couple where we were trying to trap and guys didn't go down. We're like, why didn't you go? I mean, there was a lot of stuff. Um, but, you know, you're trying to win every game, but it's crazy. You just don't. And you have a dud like this, but don't make it about us. This is about Tennessee and how they played. They played physical. They went at Fulkerson. Fulkerson caught every ball. We caught none in the post. He then scored 27, made his free throws, um, and they made some unbelievable shots, some threes, when they needed to. They just kept coming. We had our chances. It was a two-point two game, a one-point. I mean, it was a couple minutes to go, and it was anybody's ball game, but we kind of let it go. Right here, second round. You've, you've coached against Fulkerson for three years now. How, just, how much different is he as a player than, than what you've seen before? Well, he's just gotten better and better. He works really hard. He fights for everything. Um, and he has a way of getting that shot up and off. I mean, he does. And he scored on Nick, he scored on Nate, he scored on each. We tried everybody. We tried trapping. Um, we tried a lot of different things to slow him down, but he was he was a tough cover for us. What did you make of, I don't know, it's been said, but it looked like Ashton and Nick several times down the stretch were kind of going at each other after plays? Neither one played particularly well, so probably telling each other, you're not playing well, neither are you, neither are you, neither are you. Uh, Did you have any concern about body language there? It like kind of Mine or theirs? <laughs> Either. Um, yeah, th th look, you, uh, we've been on a heck of a run. This team has is, is done a lot of good stuff, and the one thing we worry about is if the game is let to be physical, like Nick's getting you know, then he's, we've got to learn to play in these kind of games. You have a lead. Um, we came out of a timeout, uh, or I had to call one. We're running a play to try to get something near that basket. We take a jump shot, like just shoot it. Like what? And again, for all the guys, if you want that thing near that rim, just ask for it, we'll throw it to you. So um, it was it was total. I mean, again, you have a 17-point lead as a coach. You should win the game. Come on. Um, we got manhandled. I got manhandled. It was uh, this is one that 
you know, I know I got to watch the tape. I'm not going to look forward to watching this tape, but you got to watch the tape. Now we got another tough one. We go to Florida, you know? There on the left. And along those lines, there were a couple three rebounds that Tennessee got offensive rebound. Putbacks late. Is that just an effort thing, or what, what did you see there? Well, we fumbled, I think, two that were in our hands. And again, when it gets physical, you're not looking at the ball. You're looking at who's hitting you. And I'm not saying there was a foul. I'm just saying you got to learn to play through that. And then when we did rotate, we didn't, our guards didn't crack down. There was a lot of breakdowns. I mean, I'll have to watch the tape. Um, and, uh, you know, you, what I told them after, you got to learn from this, guys. You let go of one. You got to learn. And you got to take responsibility yourself in how you played. But they're all tied to each other. And I've said that all season. There's two things. If we don't play physical, we're not going to win. We won't advance. Second thing is this team is tied to each other. So when one or two of the guys don't play well, it affects everybody. And here's what I would say. Playing well doesn't mean you're shooting all the balls. and make, No, it means you're fighting, you're, you're, you're connected defensively. Uh, you're coming up with loose balls and rebounds. You're covering for each other. You're talking. When we do that together, we're a good defensive team. We're a pretty good offensive team. When we don't or a couple guys don't play well, it's a hard deal. I mean, you know, we're not playing 10 guys. I'll tell you, we played pretty good, Johnny Juzang. Now, he gave up two threes that I had to take him out of the game. We don't leave the corners. You guys know that. Been here 11 years. You don't leave the ball side corner. He left it twice for threes. So I had to take him out. But he was a plus nine. He was the one bright spot. I'll tell you, the other guy that was pretty good was Keon. Keon did some good stuff. And, and one thing you do as a coach, you normally, when things are happening, You'll go with guys that you know have been in those situations and made those plays, even though they're struggling. You're, you're thinking they'll bust through. Then when you had to do it over again, you would say, if I'd have known this, I would have said, I'm going with these two. But you don't know that. You don't know you, you're in the normal situation for me is I would go with the guys that got you there and hope they bust through. And really, they didn't. But let me say this, don't take to come in this building and do what they did, Tennessee, come on now, to come in this building, be down 17 and come back and win, and I hate to tell you, win going away, come on now, that means they beat us by 25 in 15 minutes. But they could have beat us by 50? I mean, that's, give them credit. Several games this year, we got a 10, 15 point lead, and went deep back in, but still won. Can your guys, Learn something different from not escaping that situation and having it actually. If you're not willing to play physical, you're not winning. You're going to get in games, and there's going to be they're not they're going to let it go. Now you can he's pushing me. Uh, I don't want to tell you. Second thing is it's the same coming off screens, going to the basket for layups. It's physical. You can't miss layups based on the fact that well the guy came at me and bumped me. What? You know they didn't. They made them. We missed them. 
That was Kentucky basketball coach John Calipari speaking about his Wildcats, sixth-ranked Wildcats, 81-73. to Shocking loss to Tennessee here in Lexington, Kentucky. Obviously, a lot of interesting things that we can discuss later about that. But now let's get to some conversations with some Tennessee players after the game. We're going to start with the man of the hour, John Fulkerson, who had another just outstanding game, career-high 27 points, 10 of 15 shooting from the floor, 7 of 7 from the free throw line, 6 rebounds, uh, 2 assists, just a fantastic game again from a guy who's just been an unbelievable player for Tennessee for much of the season, especially lately. Here is King Sports' own John Fulkerson. I'm very happy right now. What do you mean you guys are down 17 in the second half? Just what, what was kind of the, the mood on the team? What were you guys um, talking about? Honestly, I didn't even realize we were down that. We were down 17 in the second half? 17 for six, 17 yeah, minutes. Like 24 in the last like, 17 minutes. Dang, I didn't even realize that. Um, you know, I feel like, you know, we just kept fighting. You know, honestly, I was trying to find the score the whole time. They only had, oh, I'm sorry. My bad. And uh, they only had it, like, on the top top of the jumbo trying didn't see it like anywhere else so I was trying to look at the score the whole time and I couldn't really find it I guess that was a good thing and um you know but you know I think just as a team we kept fighting you know I think it was such a team effort you know everybody played well um you know guys from the bench really came in and contributed so I think you know um but you know this was no surprise to me you know I knew we were capable of this I knew that you know if everybody comes to play that we can um you know get the job done so um you know credit to credit to my teammates to my coaches and um all the glory to God what did Josiah, seemed like he really took over the second half. What did he do so well? Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I think that's just being who he is. You know, I knew and my teammates and the coaches know that he can play like that any time, you know. Um, we just needed, needed more out of him or needed out of him more. So, uh, you know, I think um, he's capable of that any time. And so, um, you know, to get where we're going to go, uh, we're going to need everybody to play their best. John, you've been a part of two Tennessee teams that have come to Rupp Arena and, and won now. Just how, how big of a you know, thrill is that to come into this building? You know the history of the series. Right, yeah. Bob said, Bob Kessling said it was the sixth time we've won here since 1977. And, uh, you know, I've, I've won here twice. And so, uh, you know, and, you know, I said on the radio, you know, um, what a historic fan base, great fan base, loud fan base program that, that Rupp Arena Kentucky basketball is. And to come here, and to win, you know, I just think that we're putting all that behind us. And, you know, it's just five-on-five five basketball, you know. It's what we practice every single day. It's what we what we come to to Tennessee for, you know. It's just it's just what we what we practice. You all shot well in both halves. Um, and obviously, you know, you, you got them going. But was it just a matter of just, just keeping at it and just knowing that your teammates would jump in in the second half? Definitely, definitely, you know. Um, you know, you can't play one on five. One person can't get it done, you know, even if you score, you know, 40, you know, or 40 plus, you know, one person can't get it done. You know, it's, it's got to be a team effort. And so I think that's exactly what it was. You know, I think everybody came to play, you know, um, we had some some big time players make big time shots. And so uh, I just think it was, it was a great team effort and a great team win. Seems like you guys have struggled in closing out games with leads coming back, not quite getting over it. Why was today different? Um, yeah, my dad said, uh, you know what it feels like to cu- to come back from 17 down. I was like, yeah, because you know um, Auburn, you know. So uh, we knew that I guess if they can do it against us, we can do it against them. And so uh, you know, we just kept fighting and uh, just fight to the end. Why do you think it was different, though? I mean, what, what was different this time? Like Arkansas, you guys came back and didn't quite finish. Um, I just think you know something we've been talking about is you know doing whatever it takes to win and wanting more. You know, 
Jordan Bone had a quote um, either last year or a few years ago, and he said we never want to walk off the court and say that the other team wanted it more than us. And so uh, every time on the court we want to want it more than them. You know, we never want to have regret or or say, oh, dang, you know, they, they wanted it more. And so, you know, that, that's something that we've kind of pride ourselves on, you know, just playing hard, doing whatever it takes to win and just wanting it. That was Tennessee junior forward John Fulkerson speaking about uh, really a shocking uh, Tennessee win, uh, Tennessee 81, six-ranked Kentucky 73 here in Lexington, Kentucky, just outside Rupp Arena where Wes Rucker and Grant Ramey are speaking to you now. Uh, we're going to go right back to some Tennessee player interviews. This is uh, another Tennessee player who we've talked about quite a bit already in this podcast for good reason. Here is Tennessee freshman guard Josiah Jordan-James. Josiah, uh, these last two, it seems like you've something that's kind of clicked for you in the last two games. And I mean, do you feel that way? And if so, you know, what, what's been the, the key? Just trying to play harder. Um, like I said, coach has been harping on that all year. Just get out of your comfort zone. And then, because I felt like in the beginning of the season, or like throughout, I've been trying to conserve, conserve myself. He's like, you can't do that when you're playing at this level. You just got to play all out. Um, and then we'll get you a sub when you need it. But that's my mindset just going into the last couple of games. Just play harder and good things will happen. How did you feel going into halftime with just the way things have gone for you? Um, I was a little frustrated because I was in foul trouble and I, I didn't play much in the first half. But I knew that as a team we didn't play well and that um, we we didn't give them their, our best shot in the first half and I knew we had a lot more in the tank. Uh, we just had to stay resilient um, and just take away the mistakes that we made in the first half and just capitalize on their, their mistakes in the second half. What allowed you to be so assertive, so aggressive in the second half? Just um, trying to do whatever I can to, to get my team back into the game. I knew we were going to fight until the last 20 minutes was up in the second half. And um, just just trying to play all out for the, the time that I was in there. Did you look forward to this game after not getting to be kind of part of this rivalry the first time? Yeah, definitely. And um, playing in Rupp Arena for the first time, I definitely look forward to that. Um, and it was a great experience. Um, this is a great place to play, great atmosphere. But I definitely look forward to it, not being able to play the first time. What have you guys learned about closing games from kind of some games you guys haven't been able to close? Uh, well, you got to play from start to finish. And what Coach has really been harping on is uh, stop. If you take stop turning the ball over at, from our standpoint, we got to take away the possession, giving them possessions where we don't uh, get a shot up with the turnovers um, and have make them for um, get more turnovers than we have throughout the game. And so just taking care of the ball um, and just playing harder. He would put. He always talks about a quote that Jordan Bone had. He's like, never at the end of the game let that team say they wanted it more than you, wanted to win more than you. And that's just been our mindset. And uh, tonight we didn't, we had that mindset. Can you take me through that play where you ripped it away from Ashton Hagens, drove down, hit Fulky for a three-point play? Just <laughs> playing hard. We um, Coach told us to be heavy in the gaps because they were just putting their heads down and driving. Uh, so we had to stop that, and I made a play in the gap. Um, and then just tried to get out and run, and Folky did a great job running. Um, and then Sestina kind of helped up, and so I just passed it over top. Ever seen Folky? Two more. I mean, I know he's played well, but what he did tonight? I see it all the time in practice, so I knew he had it in him. Um, we definitely needed it out of him, but, yeah, that was an outstanding performance by him um, for 40 minutes in. Um, yeah, it's just crazy. <laughs> Folky's Folky. Can you tell when you're controlling the game, like you individually are controlling the game? I can tell when I feel in control. And um, tonight, Santi had a, one of the defensive player of the year candidates on him, so I tried to take a little bit of stress off of him in the second half, just bringing the ball up, uh, just making the game easier for him and then for everybody else. Um, 
and I feel like when I push the pace, um, get the defense on their heels, I feel like I'm, I do a good job of, of, of controlling the game. That was Tennessee freshman guard Josiah Jordan-James speaking about Tennessee's 81-73 win over the six-ranked Kentucky Wildcats here at Lexington, Kentucky on Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning. Another big game for James. He had 16 points, seven rebounds, five assists, two steals, one block shot, and just uh, maybe he really is just healthier now because uh, that kid, the first half of the Florida game, the second half of the Kentucky game, if you could have put those two together, you'd have had an All-American. Uh, Tennessee's got to figure out a way to get 40 minutes out of him, but the past couple games, uh, two brilliant halves have, I guess, been enough. Uh, now we're going to end this first segment uh, with a quick discussion uh, with the guy who I don't think his contribution to this game should be overlooked. Uh, Jalen Johnson, Tennessee junior guard, uh, had eight points but when Tennessee was down double digits really early in that game, Tennessee was about to get run out of the building down 14 points. And then Jalen Johnson pops up with a couple of boom back-to-back threes, gets Tennessee right back in the game, forces Kentucky to call a timeout. Uh, he hit another big bucket later in the game. Uh, he, he did a lot of good things, I think, in that game. And, you know, you saw Devontae Ticket-Gange checks in early. Uh, He's been playing so well for Tennessee at times, giving him lots of energy. Uh, He makes kind of a boneheaded mistake when he gets out there. And you know how Rick Barnes is with freshmen in those spots. And so he goes – uh, goes with the veteran, goes with Jalen Johnson, and, and I thought the uh, I thought the the junior wing did a lot of good things in this game. So here is Tennessee junior guard Jalen Johnson. Those uh, two big threes you had there in that, in that first half. I mean, those are shots that I work on all the time. So I, mean, I caught it in rhythm and shot it, made it, made one. Got us another good look at it, so I'm like, let it go. Seems like I mean, closing out games and giving up leads has been an, an issue. Why was today different? Like, why was this comeback different? I feel like because the, it had, that has been the case with, like for a few of our big games. So I feel like um, we're learning from how to, like, learning from those past mistakes or whatever and learning how to uh, finish the game out the right way. So I think that showed tonight, definitely. What were the things you guys were able to do differently, do you think, to come back? Um, we really executed in the second half. Um, and although we didn't turn over the ball over as much as we have in the past, we still had to limit some of our turnovers. And because they were getting, I think they got like 20 points off of our first half turnovers, so we had to eliminate some of those. And then we down the line, I think we got a lot of stops too, so that helped us. Jen, you guys were down 17, and Coach said that you know guys were still confident, they still believed. I mean, how you know, kind of what, what were you guys saying to each other at that point? And this game isn't over. I mean, we've seen it. Like we've we've had games where we've gotten a pretty good double-digit lead and teams that yeah. came back on us. So, like, we've, we've been really – like, there's been a theme on this team is, like, you know, finishing out the game. What did Josiah do so well in the second half? seemed like he really just – Josiah was big time in the second half. He he was, like, a real leader out there on the court. He was, like, getting stops, rebounds. He was defending. He did all the little things, and they really helped us out to get this win. you guys challenge him at halftime? Um, not – I mean, we, we're always challenging everybody. We challenge everybody, the whole team. But, I mean, I think he just took it on upon himself to just go out there and, uh, you know, execute the big time, big time. You, you want it? You've been around John Fulkerson for years now. Is it crazy to see him doing what he's doing? Yeah, it is. It really is. Actually, I'll take that back. It's not because, like, I mean, freshman year, we got to remember he had a great like, – he was having – he was off to a hot start, and then he got hurt or whatever, and then – that's when guys like Grant and you know AD really got going and developing. They came into their own, and then he kind of had to you know, take a backseat to those guys. So I mean, I mean, I feel like he's just picking up where he left off. 
That was Tennessee junior guard Jalen Johnson speaking about his performance in Tennessee's 81-73 win over the Kentucky Wildcats, the sixth-ranked Kentucky Wildcats here at Lexington, Kentucky, just outside of Rupp Arena where we are now at this ungodly hour. Uh, speaking to you, recording this to you on this podcast. Here's what we're going to do, guys. We're going to step away. We're overdue for a break here. Uh, We're going to listen to some products and services and in-house ads and all those other fun things, pay some bills, and then we're going to come back, discuss a little bit about a couple other interesting things from that game and and what that game means for the rest of Tennessee's season. So uh, hang with us. We'll be right back in just one second. But uh, in the meantime, hashtag Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ads you may or may not have just heard just a second ago. As always, you are not uh, morally, ethically, contractually, spiritually obligated in any way, shape, or form to listen to those commercials. But we appreciate the people who do that. It helps us at CBS Sports, helps us at 24-7 Sports, helps us at GoVols 24-7, and who knows, it might even help you. Uh, we're still not voicing our, our own ad yet. At some point, we'll get around to doing that. Haven't done it yet. Uh, and to be honest with you, Grant, I have no idea what products and services we just heard from, but I bet they were fantastic. I bet they were great. Loved every minute of it. Whatever it was, you need three or four of them in your living room. I, I can tell you that much. Wes Rucker, Grant Ramey coming to you here. Grant, that performance, we keep saying this. But John Fulkerson just had a career performance again. Tennessee's fourth-year junior forward, King Sports own the six-foot-nine southpaw, goes out there, twenty-seven points, six rebounds, uh, two assists. And they were big assists in the second half too. Both of those were plays some Ironman basketball, plays nearly the entire game, uh, plays all but thirty-four seconds, shoots ten of fifteen from the floor, shoots seven of seven from the three-throw line, including some some pressure free throws there in the second half, and. Um, I have always said, or I've tried to tell people, that if Fulkerson can ever get healthy and get some confidence, he has a lot of ability. People talk about how hard he plays and all that, and I think that's kind of a disservice to the ability that he has. He is a good athlete. If you get over how awkward he looks while he's doing it, he runs by people. He jumps over people. uh, He makes 
plays. He's not just a smart player. He is a, in fact, sometimes you talk to him and you go, are you even a smart kid? I'm just kidding, Folky. He, 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 uh, he's an interesting kid. I'll put it that way. Um, but he's a, he's a smart player, but he's also a really talented player. And this guy right now, I don't know how you can have an all-SEC team that doesn't have his name on it. And just the thought of saying something like that, if you had told us, even us, guys who have thought that Fulkerson was a pretty underrated player, could be a good player, to think even a few months ago that we're sitting here saying, well, I don't know how you leave this guy have an all-SEC team. It's just shocking, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, this... People have been waiting for a while for Fulke, A, to get an opportunity to play these kind of minutes. I mean, that he wasn't going to play a ton given the roster situation the last couple of years and given his situation coming off that elbow uh, injury. Uh, something Rick said after uh, after the game at Rupp, uh, he was talking about, you know, Grant came in with, I'm sorry, John came in with Grant, Jordan Bone, uh, a lot of talented guys in that class. Yeah, Jalen Johnson. Uh, and when Folky was, you know, kind of doing what he was doing his first few games of his freshman year, uh, those guys were saying, you know, you're better than Grant and you're better than Bo- – you're the most talented dude in the class. And that was a – there was a, obviously a lot of productivity in that class over the next couple of years. I think that speaks volumes about kind of what his potential is and has been. And now it's just – it's at this point it's being realized because they need him and they, they need him so much they ask him to do so much. He's got to carry such a big load on the offense and defensive end. Uh, he's not a guy you see every night, obviously. I think that may, makes him tough for opponents because he's, uh, he's, he's long and athletic, uh, but he's quick. He, he, you know, he's, he's not packing a ton of weight down there. Obviously, he gets pushed around a lot. Uh, he got abused a lot at Kentucky like he does most nights, as, as Rick Barnes likes to point out. But just this whole you – know, something we wrote about uh, Tuesday – he had, I think, six points and only got two shots off at Georgia in like 25 minutes. And that seemed kind of like a low point. Rick Barnes kind of called him out after that and said we thought he was going to be a guy that uh, demanded the ball down low and was going to score. Uh, and he doesn't want to accept that. I think it was his quote or he's not accepting that. But since then, you know, he scored 17. That was a career high. He scored 18. That was a career high. He scored 21. That was a career high. He scored 22. That was a career high. He scored 25. That's career high. Now he scored 27 in his career. He just keeps kind of climbing and, and, and one-upping himself. And, and the way he scores in the post, the way he draws fouls, the way he can step out and hit jumpers. He did that at Kentucky uh, in the second half, late in the second half Tuesday. He stepped back and hit a pretty deep mid-range jumper uh, after he had kind of abused a lot of the Kentucky's forwards uh, in the paint. So he just kind of keeps adding and the confidence keeps building and it keeps working for him. Yeah, and, and you know, I was going to mention that, that, that his – it's not – it's not that he's just going to the rim and scoring, you know, it's not that he's just kind of using a lot of those crafty moves that he has around their bucket and does a lot of those things that he does. I mean, he's sitting there hitting, he's hitting step back jumpers. Now this is a guy who's sitting there making difficult shots over length. uh, And he's taking these shots confidently. I still think that he has got to extend the range on that jumper. If he wants to, um, you know, give himself a chance to play in some better leagues professionally going forward. I think at his size, uh, I think that's something that he's going to have to be able to do. And you saw, again, there were a couple moments in that game uh, on Tuesday night, the game we just covered, where teams don't have to respect him out there, so they're leaving him a lot of space out there. And basically, it's sort of forcing Tennessee to waste time because they're having to kick the ball around. Uh, you know. And if he could just sit there and take that shot and make people respect it, then they'd have to go out there and guard him out to 20 feet 
all of a sudden now he becomes an even bigger nightmare to guard. So at some point, I think he does need to maybe think about adding more of those to his game because I think he has the touch to do that. I think he has the ability. You know, we saw that with Josh Richardson. He was a guy who couldn't hit threes at all. Uh, early in his Tennessee career, and he just kind of consistently moved that jumper out. And then by, you know, now he's sitting there routinely putting up big three-pointers at the NBA level. So, you know, he's a guy who has the ability to do that, but but the bottom line is what he's doing, I think you made a really good point, Grant. He is just a really interesting guy to try to cover uh, because he is, insert joke here, he's more athletic than you think he is. He jumps higher than you think he does. He runs faster than you think he does. His first step is much, much quicker than people think it is. And it's like it surprises people every game. And I don't know why that is, but it's like if you watch film, you see it. But then defenders still, he has that kind of sudden quick twitch that a lot of people just don't expect. Uh, and Kentucky was throwing big bodies at him. Kentucky, I thought in the first half, Kentucky threw three or four pretty nasty shots at him. Uh, this was a guy who committed, well, he drew, what, 12 fouls, I think, or 10 in the first half uh, of the first game against Kentucky. Kentucky was clearly going after him in that game. Richards threw a couple nasty elbows at him. Uh, he got shoved to the floor 10 seconds into the basketball game. You know, he's a guy who's, you know, people talk about he kind of exaggerates and flops. Call that whatever you want. He gets pushed around a lot, uh, and he routinely is putting up these big minutes. He's showing how much physical toughness he has, too. And that's something that I think people knew that he was kind of a tough guy, but just the level of toughness for he and Pons to do what they do on a nightly basis, I'm glad that Barnes brings that up from time to time because I think people can overlook that. I think people can forget just how physically draining it is to to get what you're getting out of them for that many minutes a night. The stuff they're having to do on both ends of the floor, usually against bigger guys. Uh, and I think we should mention Pons, too, because we, we, we've talked a lot about Jalen Johnson. We've talked a lot about Fulkerson, obviously. Uh, we've talked a lot about Josiah Jordan-James. Um, Eve Pons made some just absolutely colossal mistakes in that game. But he also made up for that and then some by hitting several big threes. He gave him the lead a couple times with a couple of big threes, uh, made some big plays on the defensive end like he always does. Uh, he was assertive at times offensively. Uh, he, he knew exactly where he wanted to get offensively and got off shots and, and looked confident because uh, he didn't take a single three-point shot, uh, I think, in Tennessee's game against Florida, if I remember correctly. Uh, and, and that's something he has to do. And it seemed to me like, again, I think Pons is just always going to have a couple of those moments where you just kind of go, Ugh, what are you doing? But as long as he makes up for it and is a net gain, if he plays the way he did at Kentucky, hey, that's a good basketball player. It's a very good basketball player. Uh, it's a very clutch basketball player if, if he's going to make shots the way he made shots at Kentucky. Uh, yeah, there was a there was a really bad uh, Eve Pons versus dribbling uh, exhibition there once where he lost it driving into the lane. I guess that was in the first half. Uh, but the number of uh, foul line jumpers he hits, the number of threes he hits, if he's if he's opening that trail spot uh, at the top of the key uh, from three, he's pretty consistent right there. And uh, when the game was tied at 63, after Hagen scored three in seven seconds to tie it, Pons answered with a three. Uh, when Tennessee was up two with just over a minute left, he hit that foul line jumper to make it four. Um, as much attention gets paid to John Fulkerson, and rightfully so after that game, uh, and Josiah, rightfully so, with the second half he put together. And uh, even like you talked about Jalen hitting some big shots in the first half, uh, Eve is easy to kind of get lost, but he made so many big plays. He made so many big shots. And, and he's a guy like Fulkerson. If you 
a year ago, if you said this is what this guy was going to do a year later, uh, him and Fulkerson both, you, you know, you'd lose a lot of money betting on that, uh, betting on the chances that those guys can turn into guys that you can rely on more often than not and guys that are super productive for a team and, and really carry a team uh, on both ends of the floor. A couple of other interesting notes from that game before we talk about what it means. Uh, Kentucky had gone the entire SEC season without allowing a single opponent to shoot better than 50% from the floor in a game. Tennessee didn't just do that. Tennessee did it in both halves. Tennessee shot 57% in the first half, 50% in the second half. Uh, And say what you will about John Calipari. I know I I think the guy's actually underrated as a pure basketball coach, uh, especially on the defensive end. His teams always play hard defensively. Uh, His teams do play team defense, good team defense, and they have a lot of athleticism. They give you problems on that end of the court. And when you look at how many just – how many turnovers Tennessee had or or what really should kind of go down as a turnover in my mind when you have a possession where you have to heave up a shot with one or two seconds left in the shot clock that's a really terrible shot. Tennessee had to do that a handful of times in that game. That's a good Kentucky defense like it usually is and had not given up 50% to a league opponent all year. And, and Tennessee did an absolutely fantastic job. When they didn't turn the ball over, they had a chance because Kentucky had – 20 points off of eight turnovers from Tennessee in the first half. Think about that again. Tennessee turned it over eight times in the first half. Kentucky scored 20 points off of eight turnovers. That's horrible because Kentucky had about the same number of turnovers, and Tennessee scored, I believe, three points off of those. Uh, In the second half, Tennessee scores 13 points off turnovers. Kentucky scores four points off of turnovers. So Tennessee just stopped with those stupid live ball turnovers right around the midcourt line that just kill you against Kentucky. You just – you might as well – every time you do that, just put two or three points on the board for the other team if it's it's Kentucky every time. And and Tennessee was able to shut that down a little bit in the second half. Uh, Did so many things well. Tennessee shoots, I believe. 17 of 21 from the free throw line, uh, shoots 8 of 18 from three-point range. Uh, When you shoot 53% from the floor, 45% from three-point range, and 81% from the free throw line against Kentucky, you've had a pretty good night. Uh, Tennessee, you know, we said this time and time again, Grant, say what you will about Rick Barnes. Uh, Like any coach, he has his his pros and his cons and the things he does well, the things he maybe doesn't do well. When these players run his offense the way it is supposed to be run, You get not good shots. You get great shots. When you run this offense the way it's supposed to be run, this thing just carves people up. Yeah, it does. And, uh, and, and that's kind of the thing that he's been, he, he harps on that all year. And I think to a point when, when your team is struggling and you keep talking about, well, if the players would just execute what I'm telling them to do, um, they would, they would be winning more games. I think that's going to rub fans the wrong way because, Fans want coaches that want that take their blame in losses, just like they would, uh, just like uh, Rick would. I mean, how many times does Jeremy Pruitt say it starts with me, or it's my job to fix it, or whatever? For whatever reason, fan, fans want to hear that, and he's not a guy that's going to say that. He's going to say if you execute, it's going to work. And and for whatever reason, at Kentucky in the final fifteen minutes, one of the one of the things that he said after the game that stood out was sometimes there's just a a look about your players where you want to get out of their way uh, because they have that look like they're going to, whatever you call out, they're going to execute. So you just get out of the way and give them a call and let them go do it, and they did that. And I don't, I don't it kind of boggles the mind like we've talked about this entire podcast, how they figured it out at Kentucky of all places, the number six team in the country in a building where you rarely ever win. 
to do all that and to figure it out all at once, uh, it doesn't make sense. But uh, what did what we kept talking about coming down the stretch? Uh, you got Florida, you got Kentucky, you got Auburn at home. You got three huge opportunities. Well, they've taken care of Florida. Uh, they've taken care of Kentucky on the road, which neither of us would have uh, thought possible. And and here we go uh, into a senior day against Auburn and then to the, to the SEC tournament uh, in Nashville next week. And, and that's a place where Barnes all, you know, saved for that second year. He was at Tennessee. They've had a lot of success in Nashville, uh, I guess, in one year in St. Louis as well, having success in the SEC tournament. Uh, we'll see if they can happen again. Yeah, and, and that's that's the good news. The, the bad news is, um, you know, Tennessee, when you play college basketball – you do control your own destiny to get to the postseason. Even this time of year, every team does, because if you go in your conference tournament, boom, you get in the NCAA tournament. Now it's easy to say that um, when you're Tennessee, it's not maybe the same thing because Tennessee never, ever, ever wins the SEC tournament, despite the fact that for the foreseeable future, that thing's going to be held right in their backyard. So you would think that at some point, as many games as Tennessee is winning in the SEC these days, eventually they're going to figure that one out. They're going to, they're going to, I mean, hey, Tennessee found a way to win in the swamp at some point too, right? I mean, you know, it's got to happen maybe at some point. Um, But uh, Tennessee still in that sense controls its own destiny. Now the question was if Tennessee could win those final three games, could Tennessee get itself in a position where it didn't necessarily have to win the SEC tournament to get into the NCAA tournament? The good news is Tennessee is controlling what it can control so far against Florida and against Kentucky. This is a huge win. Not a lot of people come here and win. It's it's a big deal. I mean, I mean, you're not doing anything Evansville didn't do, right? I'm just kidding. But yeah, I mean, but but seriously, it's it's a it's a tough place to go play. And you look at this now. The good news is Tennessee's done that. The, the bad news is uh, Tennessee, even after that Kentucky win, uh, I believe Lenardi put out his his you know kind of updated for the night. Uh, didn't even have Tennessee on the next four out, so um, he's not the end all be all. But hey, that that shows you that there's still a ton of work to do. Uh, I think the new real time RPI numbers are up. Tennessee is, uh, I believe, 54th there. Tennessee's still 58th in the Ken Palm rankings and. Uh, I'm a believer in the Church of Ken Palm, so I believe those numbers are really important. I know a lot of other people are, too. Um, So the bottom line is, uh, this is not a year where the SEC is going to probably get a ton of bids. And and so in a season where, you know, the the league had gotten a few more marquee non-conference wins, it it, might have been enough for Tennessee right now. Um, But right now, even if they go beat Auburn, uh, it's just tough to say because there are so many teams on such a large bubble in a really hard college basketball season to figure out. Uh, but I think at the very least, what Tennessee did in this game will get people's attention again. And if you're playing really well at the right time of the season, you, you're going to give yourself a chance. Because one thing Tennessee has done throughout this season, uh, with few exceptions, when you look at their road neutral court record, it's more impressive than a lot of other teams. Uh, it's just been a year where they've been worse at Thompson Bowling Arena than they've been in a long time. But they've also happened to be pretty decent on road and neutral site games, and they just got a pretty big scalp in this one. So um, if they beat Auburn on Saturday, which, again, uh, as much success as Barnes has had against Calipari, um, he's had trouble with Bruce Pearl. Uh, he, he just has. Now, he had trouble with him when he was at Texas. He's had trouble with him since he's been at Tennessee. Uh, that's just that 
something about the way those two teams play has just not been great news for Tennessee. Uh, so that's a big one. Tennessee's got to get over on Saturday and then still have a big week. But I guess, Grant, long story short, they've kept themselves in the conversation or gotten themselves back into the conversation now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a soft bubble. Uh, and for whatever reason, you know, I don't think South Carolina is that far ahead of Tennessee, but South Car- Carolina has been you know, pretty consistently mentioned as one of those next four out, uh, or I guess first four out at times. Uh, so it feels it does feel like Tennessee's gaining ground. I mean, obviously you're going to gain a ton of ground when you beat Kentucky on the road, uh, and Kentucky's ranked sixth. Uh, if you're a, a you know a, a Tennessee fan that wants to torture yourself, you can think about what could have been at Auburn, what could have been at South Carolina, uh, those two road wins, and, and where they would have Tennessee right now. But the, the fact is, you still have Auburn on Saturday. Uh, you need to control that one from start to finish and win it in a pretty handed fashion, which is obviously for Tennessee is, is not something that uh, has been easy for Rick Barnes, like you mentioned. Uh, and you have opportunities uh, next week. One big thing from that Kentucky win uh, and Alabama losing, and, and maybe if they can get some help, Tennessee, uh, on in Wednesday night SEC games. Uh, Tennessee needs to get out of that 8-9 game to avoid the one seed in the SEC tournament on Friday. Uh, if they get out of Thursday, they need to uh, do better for them to avoid the 7-10 uh, to avoid Auburn on Friday if they got there, the number two seed, likely the number two seed. Uh, so number three and number four, you're talking about LSU or Florida. Uh, I would rather match up with one of those two, I think, than uh, Kentucky or Auburn on Friday. So there, there's opportunity there if you can take care of business on Saturday, if you can get a decent one next Thursday, if you can do damage Friday. Uh, they've done it before, but uh, these opportunities are here, but it still feels like they have work to do. I think they at least have to win Saturday. Uh, win one in Nashville, and then maybe see what kind of how the chips fall with the rest of the bubble teams, uh, where people go, and, and if if then they kind of become one of those bubble, co- uh, not only join the conversation, but what's the likelihood that they would actually get in? Yeah, and you know it's funny. One of my best friends, uh, Gentry Estes, who's now does he's always been a great writer. He does a great job now. He's a columnist for the Tennessee and. Uh, he and I have joked for years that, you know, they always talk about all these crazy things with the bubble every year about, you know, the, this these last 10 matter or they don't matter or the health of your team at different points matters. You know, here they talk about a million different things and invariably it almost just goes right down the line with the RPI. It's like whatever the RPI is, nine times out of 10, it seems like that's just where they go. But if there's a year where you see a couple teams go, I have no idea how they got in the field. This is going to be that year, I think, where you're going to have some different projections. Uh, you're going to have a couple of, I think, maybe some really big surprises selection Sunday. Uh, this would not be a year uh, where I would be excited about being on that selection committee because there is a lot of mediocrity in college basketball this season. It's just not been a golden year for the sport, uh, at least at the collegiate level. Uh, and, and there is there's that's going to be a challenge. And so if you're Tennessee – if you just get into that conversation, you have a chance this year. Now, there's still a lot of work to do. And, again, all this being said, we know how difficult Auburn has been for Tennessee recently. Uh, when you had all those players, the Schofield Williams, you know, Bone Alexander, Turner, all those guys, Bowden, all those guys, you had that, that, those really great couple years there. Only team they couldn't beat in the league was Auburn. Uh, that's just been a tough game for them. But if they get over that hump, then you look at, okay, you know what? They went to Kansas, and they played pretty well in that game. Um, 
early in the season, neutral neutral floor. Um, they were right there against Florida State. They beat VCU on a neutral court. You know, you look at what they've been through health-wise, you could make an argument. Tennessee's one of those teams that if they can they can beat Auburn, they can not fall on their face in Nashville, they're going to be one of those teams that you have to talk about. Um, and, and frankly, for the past couple weeks, that's just not been something I think Tennessee would get to that point. I think if you had told either one of us, uh, what are the odds on Tennessee uh, beating Florida at home uh, and then going to Rupp and winning? Um, not great, Bob. I don't. I don't think that that we would have predicted that because uh, we threw out there. Hey, you know what? Hope springs eternal. You win these final three games. You do well in Nashville. Hey, you got a chance. Look at it, Grant. That they've done this so far. Uh, they are. If the point of this sport is playing your best at this time of the season, well, Tennessee's not had a back-to-back stretch like this all season. No, they haven't, and and it it gets back to that bogey team in, in Auburn on Saturday, and and they had so much success over the last couple of years at home. I think they won thirty one straight. I think that was the number before they lost, but they've had uh, their share of struggles at home. Uh, there's been a lot of big crowds in the building, uh, and still lose to Wisconsin the way you did at LSU the way you did Kentucky, Memphis. Uh, go down the list. Uh, Saturday was a big one over Florida. The way it happened and the way they had to hold on, I thought that was a big step forward for them. Uh, not falling apart when it looked like they were going to fall apart. Uh, you got to handle your business against Auburn. Uh, you have a chance, and you've given yourself a chance. You've taken care of the hardest part, which is winning at Rupp. Uh, you took care of Florida. You gave yourself a chance at Auburn. Uh, now you have to get to next week giving yourself a chance, which is taking care of business against Auburn. Seeing who you draw, uh, what happens, and, and what you can do. Uh, I don't think the SEC tournament format at all helps this team when you have as little depth as they have is a bench that's as unproductive as their bench is. You can't really trust anybody. I don't think Olivier played at Rupp. Uh, Euro was somehow a minus eight in like two minutes, picked up two fouls, which is kind of impressive. Uh, so y- you got to figure it out. Uh, you got to keep giving yourself a chance and, and to do that, take care of Auburn and then see what happens in Nashville. You know what though? Uh, Kentucky's not the deepest team either. Kentucky, uh, you know, did, Kentucky did have someone, uh, again, you know, Montgomery goes out there and plays. Normally the guy who starts played 28 minutes off the bench. Uh, Johnny Juzang, who's been a Tennessee killer all season long, uh, he had 16 minutes off the bench. Brooks played pretty well in 10 minutes off the bench. So th- they're not rolling that deep either. So, um, you know, it's it's interesting. Tennessee has gotten itself into the conversation. Tennessee has, I think, surprised a lot of us. And you know what? Uh, if they find a way to beat Auburn, they can say they ended the regular season by, in a row, beating the SEC, arguably the SEC's three best teams. So that's that'd be a couple pretty big feathers in the cap there. Guys, that's a pretty good place to leave it. I think we're going to go ahead and step on out of here. Uh, thanks for tuning in. As always, you can listen to all of us or listen to all of us. You can listen to us right now, or, or you can follow all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rector 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Or if you want just Tennessee news, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts, sir, you can get that. Uh, none, none of our personal stuff, just Tennessee stuff all the time. You can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7 or facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where Ramey does an awesome job uh, helping us run our Facebook page. 
page there, or you can go get that delicious East Tennessee Mountain Spring water right from the source, directly from the source at GoVols247.com. Always got a couple great trial periods coming up. We got another one coming up this weekend. Hint, hint. Uh, and if you pay full price for GoVols247, you get access to CBS All Access, the Rolls Royce package, commercial free. Uh, you get live sports. Uh, you get every show, every movie in the CBS catalog, new movies every month. Uh, the Picard series streams there. Just, you know, Survivor, uh, all, all all sorts of things uh, that you get access to for free. That's a $100 annual value. Uh, no questions asked. They were just giving to you. And if I were to say to you, here's $100 every year, um, that's a pretty good deal, guys. Uh, if I were you, I think I might take advantage of that. Uh, if nothing else, you will hear from us, I imagine, at some point over this weekend. Uh, Tennessee football coming up here. Spring practice starts next week, so tons of stuff going on there. Tennessee baseball again with a 28-2 win over Longwood on Tuesday night. The 11th-ranked Vols are undefeated. Got a lot going on there. Lady Vols coming down to the crunch time late near their postseason. Tons of stuff. Go to GoVols247.com, and you can get all of it there. Or if you just want to keep listening here, I guess you can do that too. And we'll be back in just a couple days, guys. See you.